conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today I am joined by Michael Esconuelas to discuss Chicago. Mike, did I get your name right? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Esconuelas, okay. yeah. <laughs> I try, I try. Yeah. I think that was a solid, solid college effort right there. It was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who don't uh, know that there's like an accent on the end. So it's like Esconuelas is pretty, uh, pretty common. And then... Well, thankfully, I did take Spanish class in high school, so I at least knew better than that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's definitely good. It puts you a leg up on most people who s- try and read my last name. <laughs> Usually, I try to ask people these days because I've completely just butchered last names. And then when I go and talk about comic books, it's just game over because I've only ever read the creator's names and I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> like 90% of them. It's really rough too when like I only have access to reading someone's name and I don't have access to someone saying it. So it's like in my yeah. head, it's like, well, it sounds like this. I think it's this. And then I'm just completely wrong. <laughs> I felt like I should come at least close having listened to Modern Vinyl and Stereo Confidential so many times. You know, it's it's funny because I feel like with Chris was telling me once that like I think as the series went on, my last saying my last name, I started to get more ethnic with it. <laughs> Where it's like I started to put more emphasis on the accent. And I was like, you know, you're probably right, because I just got more confident saying it over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you decided to pick a musical, which is something I don't think I've really talked about on this podcast much at all, if at all. So thank you for picking something fairly unique and newer (laughs) to me because musicals aren't something I really dive into. It's like my favorite one is probably The Nightmare Before Christmas, if that even counts because of all the Danny Elfman music (laughs) in it and the Tim Burton vibe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was like, when you asked me what I had seen, I was like, uh, well, there are like two (laughs) options. (laughs) It's a pretty good musical to kind of start with like especially like this movie in particular it's a pretty good like segue into musical movie celebration with the with this one with chicago yeah i don't even remember where i watched this because i'm 99.9 percent sure this was not on in our house ever so (laughs) i must have watched it at like a sleepover at someone's house or something because i specifically remember seeing this musical Mm -hmm. and i have been to one musical in person and that was the american idiot musical in la but Mm -hmm. this was the only one i had really seen and probably the first one i had seen as far as movies go other than the nightmare before christmas if people even count that i mean personally i do (laughs) because it has great songs in it it. i think we can count it like it has musical numbers it has dancing like it, it, it's got the check. It checks the boxes. It's just animated. <laughs> yeah, like that's fine. Like Disney movies are musicals in their own way. Like, Very true. Like Aladdin, The Lion King, singing and dancing. <laughs> so, what made you pick Chicago? Was it because it was easy since I had already seen it, or was it one you honestly were interested in talking about? I think yeah. Like when I first, when you were reaching out to me about being on the show and I was thinking about like, oh, you know, like what's something like geeky and and nerdy. And I really was kind of thinking about like, okay, like what's on the spectrum of geekiness that 
maybe hasn't been covered too often. And when I was in high school and in college, I was really into theater. I love theater. I took like theater classes and stuff and I loved musical theater. So I grew up with it. Like when I was a kid, I used to love Grease, you know, growing up and like my parents like really loved musicals and stuff. And like I loved Hairspray uh, when I was a kid. And Chicago, I thought was a pretty good like, number one, this movie's fantastic. It's just like a really well done movie. And I, in my opinion, it's probably one of the better musical movie adaptations because there's just not that many that are very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Chicago really kind of knocks it out of the park because like it's done really well. The musical numbers are really well executed because especially with like the style and format they do it in this movie where like the musical numbers are kind of like in their head and like in their mm-hmm. imagination. So I kind of picked it like as, as a, it's a good like conversation starter for musicals, movie musicals in general. It's like just very stylish, very well done. I thought it'd be a, a good place for us to start for covering musicals here. <laughs> yeah, and I still am sort of figuring out how I feel about musicals in general, but I had a good time rewatching this one because, like I said, I remember watching it, but I didn't entirely remember the plot line of it. I remembered some of the musical numbers, like he had it coming. I don't even know if I'm going to get these song names right, but everyone knows what (laughs) what I'm talking about if they've seen Chicago. And the cast is just amazing in this. And I was like, oh, this person's in it, this person. Oh, my goodness. And this person. Uh So (laughs) the entire time I was watching it, I was like seeing all of these people pop up. And it's funny when you go back and watch something from, you know, over a decade ago, and you have since seen some of the people in other things. Like, I had semi recently watched The Americans. And Mm -hmm. one of the ladies in The Americans, she wasn't a main character or anything, but she was a recurring character. She popped up in Chicago, you know, over a decade before the Americans even came out. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> for you, is the cast something that's super appealing when you're watching a movie musical? Oh, I think so. It's definitely like the kind of thing where I feel like with mo- Hollywood and movie producers, they always go one of two routes. And that's like, you know, you get a big Hollywood name to attach to it, or you kind of like keep it more true to the stage show. And I think with this one, they went towards like getting some really big name, talented people. And like the cast overall in this one is just phenomenal. Like Catherine Zeta Jones and like Renee Zellweger at very peak Renee Zellweger in her like just like her mannerisms and just how she is as an actress. Like this movie is so good with her and like using her ability as an actress. And then John C. Riley, I know like it, this was like before John C. Riley was doing so much comedy. Yeah. So like when I first saw it, I didn't really know who John C. Riley was until like, you know, he started popping up more in Will Ferrell movies. <laughs> and like he was like, it, it's funny because it's like before those movies, like it's it, even now he's still a fantastic actor, but like he really did. He was dedicated more to serious acting than anything else. Yeah, because he was in like What's Eating Gilbert Grape and just mm-hmm. some other movies that today you wouldn't think of him as being in in general so when you go back (laughs) to the beginning of his career you're kind of like oh wait this is the funny guy now (laughs) yeah and like and he's great like he plays such a really good amos in this movie because it's just Mm -hmm. like he can be the doe-eyed pathetic man so damn well (laughs) which you know nothing against john c Riley. he's just really good at being like a pathetic dude yeah (laughs) i love 
the Queen Latifah appearance too in this. Oh, she's so good. And like her her performance, which I believe is um I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's like when you're good to mama. Yeah. Um I think it can maybe just be called Mama. I have the track listing. Oh yeah, it is when you're good when you're good to mama. I have the track listing up now, so I can I can be smart about it. <laughs> her performance in that song is so damn good. Where it's just like the little things that she does in that performance, like how she interacts with the audience as she's dancing, the way like she um like kind of like uh does like her moves with her outfit and stuff, like she's so good in that in that performance and like for her only having really just that performance she really stands out yeah and i had recently watched hip-hop evolution i was behind on it it's a show on netflix that kind of goes through the history of hip-hop and Mm -hmm. queen latifah pops up in that too and i was like oh yeah she can sing and rap and do all this other stuff too so (laughs) seeing this sort of just solidified that for me because she's been acting for so long in addition to Mm -hmm. her music career that started pre-acting if i'm not mistaken and when you get people in musicals who are just so talented all around i think that really helps push the story along too because it can't just be all musical numbers and the fact that this was a crime story i think interested me even more in it mm-hmm. yeah I, I, like chicago too um i don't really know the super details of it but i know chicago as the musical is based on like real cases that happened in the 20s like real murder cases makes um, sense yeah like they, they were based it was like two two female they killed their, their partners or husbands or whatever they were like um and they had very big, high-profile cases, and those cases were kind of documented and then later on reinterpreted for the musical. Um, so it's like Roxy Hart and um, I'm trying to think of the full name. Velma Kelly. Yeah, Velma Kelly. Thank you. Like those two characters are based off of like real women who like had high high-profile cases. At least like this with the yeah, like with the stage musical when it was written. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty fascinating how it's like it is like a crime story with singing and dancing. How fun is that? <laughs> Yeah, and then you have this flashy lawyer in Richard Gere who is playing Billy Flynn, and it really feels of the time because Mm -hmm. you have this corruption within the police force, within the court systems, and especially during that time period in Chicago because if anyone has read any thing on mafia history at all, you'll know that that was a very big city for mafia families to be in and how they kind of just paid people off everywhere at every level and they were able to get things done. But you have this lawyer who is a defense lawyer and he is just so showy about everything that he wants to distract people it's not even necessarily that he feels the need to be corrupt. He just knows that it's more of a game than a legal system. Yeah. Yeah. He's just putting on that that show, that three-ring circus. Yeah. But yeah, overall, the cast is really good. And then you have like little appearances here and there. Like Tay Diggs is the band leader. And you mm-hmm. only ever really see him in the shadow. And you have Lucy Liu popping up <laughs> towards the Oh, end. I totally, I totally was just like, I've to- completely forgot Lucy Liu is in this. And like she makes that appearance. Same. And I was just like, when she shows up, I'm like, oh shit, that's Lucy Liu. <laughs> like that's yeah. cool. And Colm Fior, I'm probably <laughs> mispronouncing that, but I've been doing my Stephen King podcast, Chat Cemetery, and he was in Storm of the Century that I watched recently. So I saw him in this and I was like, 
oh my goodness, it's him. And like three years after <laughs> this thing that I just watched. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy because it's like this movie in particular had such star power in it. And I, I believe it's probably one of the, I think it's like it did phenomenal in the box office, especially having such big names um, attached to it. Like, I think this is like the most successful movie musical to date. I'm trying to think yeah. of any other ones that have really matched this kind of success. Cause I feel like this movie was a little bit of a phenomenon that year. Um, because I know it won multiple awards or at least was nominated for multiple awards. And then, um, yeah, I just feel like this movie was all over the place back then. Like 2002 for some context of how old I am, 2002 when this movie came out, I was in high school, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was a sophomore or junior or something. So like, this was like, peak theater theater nerd michael <laughs> when this movie came out i turned 10 just before this came out so it came out mm-hmm. like christmas day or something it was like a near christmas release and my mm-hmm. birthday is mid-december so i had just turned 10 certainly mm-hmm. was not watching this when it came out <laughs> when, when, when's your birthday in december 14th oh my birthday's the 16th we're so close <laughs> december babies Yes. <laughs> it always blows my mind when movies like come out on Christmas and like what their like theme and and tone are. Like Chicago, it's like you know what I love to go see on Christmas Day: uh, murder, uh, some murder cases, and singing and dancing. You know, it's just a jolly good time. <laughs> One of those makes sense; the other does not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I like my murder with uh, with a side of singing and dancing. Thank you. Yeah. So it's it's a perfect combo. yeah and story-wise because you have these two separate murders by these two separate women and then you have sort of this tension as they fight for attention and you have all of these reporters coming into the prison it really feels like it was just a whole different world back then because I can't imagine reporters just following someone into prison after they have been arrested. <laughs> yeah, this is a very different time. Things were different different in the 20s. And you also don't go straight to prison. You go to like a police station. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely and like the execution that happens in the movie. It happens all so fast. Yeah. <laughs> like all like like when someone's usually on death row, I feel like it that's like a process like today that takes a very long time. Whereas mm-hmm. like I feel like in the movie, like you know, obviously to move the plot along. I believe she's reference is Hungarian or but I believe she was speaking Russian. I get confused on if she's Russian or Hungarian. Um, yeah. the woman the woman who's hung. Like that whole scene like happens in like a week. <laughs> and so yeah, uh, it's pretty wild to like think how different things could have been back then. <laughs> yeah, I was a little confused with that character too, because it says she's a Hungarian prisoner. But I couldn't really tell what language she was speaking because I was like, I don't know, it kind of sounds familiar, but I don't think <laughs> I've ever watched anything where someone was speaking Hungarian definitely mm-hmm. have seen stuff where people were speaking in Russian, because like I said, I just semi-recently watched The Americans. Lots of Russian mm-hmm. in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from what I remember with it, I know there, there there's a note somewhere on IMDb that explains in the movie, like her character, where the actress who was playing her was Russian. And I think like she was, but she's a Russian, she knew Russian, but she didn't know Hungarian. So I think her part 
was somewhat confusing because of like it was a Russian person interpreting a Hungarian character, right? With like the language barrier of it. If I like, there was some, there's some, there's some more details on IMDb about it, but there definitely was a little bit of confusion with her character and like her background for 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 this movie in particular. Yeah, and thankfully her storyline doesn't impact the larger story a ton. So it was one of those mm-hmm. things where. It, it kind of slid by probably for a lot oh, yeah. of people <laughs> and it didn't really affect anyone's enjoyment of the movie or anything. But mm-hmm. I really love how they have Roxy and Velma doing their own thing at first. And then when they end up with the same lawyer, that's when the story really heats up and you're kind of like, okay, you know, this guy clearly just wants his $5,000 and he'll work for whoever can pay him. And he doesn't really care too terribly much about the people themselves. He cares about the show of it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it. it's more about his name. It's more about him being the star than anything else. Um, you know, he's, he's never lost a case. He's taking on these, these narrative driven cases and clients where, you know, you got to put on a show and like he, he knows how to do it. And it's because we know they're both guilty, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like and you got to like work that angle on like getting like I remember when he talks about like that, when he's talking, talking to Roxy Hart and he's kind of explaining where it's just like you got to get the audience to love you because um, like you've already you've already pleaded guilty. You've already done it. But you got to you got to get them to to love you to get off, uh, get acquitted or get off free, you know? Yeah. For you personally, what is it about this story that you think works so well in the context of a musical too? The courtroom show element where it's like these these clients, these these people who are on on trial and having to put on this show, I think works out so well because the way like Chicago is staged at on on like the stage versus like the movie is that it all takes place on kind of like one set the bands on stage throughout the entire show and it's more or less kind of like you know like a uh, like a vaudeville type of show where these songs are kind of pushing the narrative a little bit and these songs are kind of like showing a lot of the characters motivations and how like they how do they kind of keep going forward with this case and getting out of this case and I think that like they're putting on a show as characters and they're putting on a show in in like the literal sense by putting on Chicago the musical so it's pretty cool that like the parallels between like the story and the idea of a musical and putting on a show are running together in this Mm -hmm. like I think that's what makes it so charming and fun because it's like that fun little clever twist of like there are two shows going on right here the literal sense and the story and like with the characters putting on a show for uh their innocence and trying to like get off uh free yeah i had a little trouble with some of the timeline at the beginning and i don't know if you will have the answers for me but it felt like velma and roxy committed their crimes on like the same night essentially but then Velma's already been in prison for quite a while it seems when Roxy gets there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah she seems to already have she's just established I suppose yeah <laughs> when Roxy gets there you're right although I think it does seem like they get arrested at the same time on the same night because she's at the show and then she kills Fred Casely the night that they're at that show and yeah Velma kills her sister and um husband just before the show i think yeah just before the show 
So it's definitely a time thing there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me because I was like, I caught that, but I was like, uh, maybe it was a few days apart. And because she's Velma, you know, everyone in the prison already knew her. So she got special treatment pretty much right from the start. But you kind of get a sense that she's still been there for a while because there's like a ton of stuff in her cell already. Yeah, it's definitely probably the kind of thing that's like they probably didn't want to explain it. That happens in musicals quite often, where it's like, well, you know, she needs to be established because they need to do that passing of the crown in terms of the attention. So, ah, it's fine. <laughs> She's already popular in there. <laughs> yeah, because like even in like in the stage show, that's pretty much how it's already set up. There are like, there is a little bit more um, with the additional numbers that were cut out of the movie. There is a little bit mm -hmm. more like exploration of the tension between Velma and Roxy. Okay. So that could possibly explain maybe they just accept in the movie they just accelerated her her uh Velma's presence and and dominance in the prison just to kind of keep it going, keep it faster. Um cuz yeah, also like that's like the other part of it too. It's like this movie runs about a little shy of 2 hours. Mhm. Mm and um you know like the play itself is probably like closer to 3 hours. So there's a, there's a lot or at least like two and a half hours. So there's probably a lot cut just to make the movie flow a little bit faster. Yeah, and I think with musicals, story isn't necessarily the top priority because you're going to be putting so much more effort into the musical numbers, I would say, mm -hmm. because of all the choreography and the set pieces and all of that that goes with doing those kinds of scenes. So mm -hmm. for you, were the holes in the story more forgivable because it is a musical? Oh, for sure. That's okay. just... That's just nature in musicals like sometimes okay. like stories kind of just you kind of got kind of got to go go with the flow because like sometimes character development just needs to kind of be assumed because like you can't really do it that much in a song i feel like musicals do have like that kind of like it's cool because it's a musical so you know we don't really have to fill that hole in the plot <laughs> or we don't have to really explain how she was able to do this that much because it's like well it it's not really there for that. It's it's more for singing and dancing. <laughs> yeah. So since we've mentioned that there were obviously some holes in the plot here and there, why don't we go ahead and talk about some of the musical numbers? Because it looks like all in all, there were about 16 in this. Mm -hmm. And you have all that jazz twice at the beginning and at the end. So it kind of all comes full circle. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Like, it's definitely got like the reprise. It's, it's, it's a it's a. This musical, I feel, has some of the, like, iconic songs. Like, Mr. Cellophane's an iconic track. Roxy Hart, my, that's one of my highlights in this movie, just because Renee Zellweger, I feel like, just kills it on that song. And, like, her performance of that song, along with, like, the little monologue that she does with it, it's just so well done. Because it's like, you can just see, like, how she's manipulating the story, but you can mm -hmm. also see that she's just, like loving the attention and loving going down this path and like oh man there's just so much that's well conveyed in that song and that scene overall yeah like that one in particular is always a big one probably something like like we both reached for the gun like i feel like that's a pretty iconic song there's a ton of iconic songs sell back sell block tango hell i can't believe i didn't even like bring that one up first like sell block <laughs> tango i feel like is 
Like that one's like a definitive Chicago song right there. And it's so fun. Like that's, that's the one I got the name wrong earlier. Yeah. On. <laughs> I was like, he had it coming. You guys know what one yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, he had it coming. <laughs> it's cool. He had it coming. He had it coming. They say that a lot in that song. <laughs> that's why I thought that's what it was called. <laughs> but yeah, I think like it's it's definitely, what were some of like the, the highlight performances for you? I think just that opening number with Catherine Zeta-Jones where she's like, you know, it's a two-person act and just taking it all on herself. And it's so fast-paced and there's so much going on because she's giving a literal stage performance. It's not something that's happening in their heads like a lot of the rest of the songs. So to Mm -hmm. open with that number and then when you have when you're good to mama too, just because that's the sole Queen Latifah performance, it really mm-hmm. stands out. And I think even if musicals might not be my favorite thing, I can appreciate the effort that goes into choreographing all of these scenes and the fact that you have to find people who are also able to sing and act. So I was really surprised with some of the people who appeared in this just because I didn't know some of them could sing. Like when you have the cell, the cell block girls and, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the lady from the American shows up, Susan Meisner. I was like, what? She can do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Which, which singer is she or like, which story from the cell block tango or like, which, which of the killers? Oh, let me see if I can find her name. Those lip shits. What are the other things they say? <laughs> At the beginning of that song. She is Liz. She killed her husband, Bernie, after he wouldn't stop popping his gum. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that she is just, she's like the first one that appears. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I think she opens the number, which I think was why it surprised me so much. I was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. To, like the thing about it that I love with like this particular musical and something I, I think you could probably attest to since like you don't really watch too many musicals is that like the way that this movie's formatted and like putting all these most of these performances in their heads aside from the opening and closing numbers which are like real life performances it, it kind of like eliminates a little bit of the cheesiness that comes with musicals because they're not just in their world singing and dancing you know it's like there's a little bit of logic there at least to to the extent a musical can do <laughs> we've already talked about like some of the plot holes but like it's nice that like the format of putting like the performances in their heads kind of eliminates a little bit of that like you know it bases the movie still in reality and yes. takes away a little bit of like the cheesiness that comes with like going into a random dance and, and song number <laughs> like that in the know, middle of the really street or something <laughs> yeah it's definitely because it's like one of the things I, I would compare to um another really popular musical is like rent and rent the movie went a very different approach and just did like musical like it's like a straight movie that like just has music musical numbers in it so they just sing and dance in in their world and no one really questions it and i in on a stage play i do love that in movies it's a little bit weird because like it, if, depending on how serious the movie is it kind of like takes you a little bit out of it rent i feel like didn't do it that well because like it's a pretty serious in tone musical and then, like the the musical numbers, kind of like going in and out of them, seems a little takes it a little bit out of the seriousness. Like takes a little bit of the weight away from those move from that movie. Right. And so Chicago, I feel like, does it really well with that because like this is a very 
these are very serious, like a very serious situation, like these two women are in. And it's showing a lot of like the glaring issues that come with like the legal system and like the corrupt uh, city itself and like things going on in the 1920s. And like, it's not like a super, uh, you know, a super like intense piece on it, but it's definitely interesting to see like that world and how it plays out. And those are really heavy themes that would kind of get ruined if they just kind of are just singing and dancing in the real world. At least in my opinion, on how it's formatted. I like how they do it with this movie. Yeah, this movie had a statement that it was making the entire time. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to sing and dance for fun here. It's like, (laughs) no, these women are going through something. And Mm -hmm. singing and dancing is how they cope with these things. And Mm -hmm. because they're doing it in their head, that makes a lot more sense as a coping mechanism for Mm -hmm. the fact that these two women are in prison and, you know, they did do this horrible thing, but Mm -hmm. they were semi-justified in it. You know, in Roxy's case, the guy literally throws her against the wall first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's actually the really interesting part about this movie when it comes to, like, the case, because you really get... And you get, like, an inside perspective on, like, the mentalities of these women when they murdered, when they committed murder. And even, like, Velma Kelly, like, with hers, like, you still get a lot of, like, insight into her character and her motives. So it's really interesting to kind of, like, you want to root for them, but also at the same time you're like, ah, but you're kind of a shitty person, but I want to keep rooting for you. (laughs) Yeah, and... It's funny because you have these characters who should be unlikable because of these crimes they've committed, but you end up liking all of them. And, you know, I don't even know if we find out what Mama's character did to get into prison, but it seems like she's kind of one of those trusted inmates who has a little bit more free reign. They they have a name that they call it, that they call them, but I my brain is like, I don't know. I, I thought Mama was a warden. But she was, like, in a prison jumpsuit still. Mm, maybe you're right. And would a woman be a warden in the 30s? That's also a good point. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was very weird. I don't know if it's, like, she was sort of the go-between between the warden and the prisoners because she had been there for so long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bit, that's a possibility. She de- she was a woman in that had power and was in charge of a lot of things. She was able to get phone calls. She was able to, like, organize and, and introduce, like, the, the new inmates to, like, where they were going. So she definitely was um, someone who in a position of power. She was a matron. That's what they called mm. her. And she, she was basically a go-between, and it's before they let women become police officers, basically. Mm, fascinating. So, what, like, is, is that position someone who is an inmate that becomes that position, or is that someone on the outside who goes into that position. Well, it's funny because a matron is also a nurse, so it's a little confusing. (laughs) But (laughs) basically, she was an officer within the prison but didn't have the title of a police officer, which she Hmm. still seemed to be in the prison jumpsuits a lot of the time, so I was still very confused. But either way, she had some semblance of authority within the prison. Yeah. Those prison jumpsuits were pretty stylish. Maybe she was just wearing them for style. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they had some pretty great outfits in this movie. (laughs) But she was wearing them, wasn't she? At least it seemed like it was. It was the same colors, for sure. Okay. Like, definitely, like, because, like, they were, like, those off-brown, kind of, like, beige 
colors like those she was wearing it yeah i was like they're all wearing the same thing but she keeps walking all of the prisoners in too (laughs) (laughs) and had like this big fancy office (laughs) yeah like she's definitely she's she definitely was like at least like from the impression of like watching it it's like okay like she's a woman that's in 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 charge at least as much as a woman can be in the 1920s 1930s she's definitely that she's in charge of something (laughs) she has some leadership role yeah, because she's able to do whatever she wants, and she's in like in charge of all these people. Yeah, nineteen twenties, not nineteen thirties. Apologies for that. I, it's close enough. Still, they probably no. still didn't have lady wardens in nineteen thirties. <laughs> yeah, you know, nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties. I don't think were really like uh, progressive times. <laughs> no, not not entirely. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of shortcomings in society during that time. (laughs) (laughs) One could argue that's still the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The musical numbers, I thought, all around were very well done, you know. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, my recent experience with musicals have been the musical episodes of Riverdale every season. So I think part of me was like, oh, God, oh, no, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> that, that's definitely more of the um, higher, if I'm looking at like the cheese scale, yeah. the Riverdale musical episodes are like a nine out of 10 of cheese. So this one definitely scales back the cheese a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because it at least had more to do with the story in a more serious way with Riverdale it feels like these teenagers are just acting out and kind of getting their feelings out in these songs and while that's still the case here there's you know a bunch of anger to go around because these women are locked up and clearly most of them do not like their husbands Mm mm-hmm yeah, they don't like their and it's it's also kind of nice too because like the songs in the in the way that they're formatted, like although like they are also expressing like that motivation and what these characters are feeling, like they also have usually like a gimmick attached to them that like you know really attaches it to being like a show and like say for mm-hmm. example like Cell Block Tango kind of being like you know a structural like collection of stories to introduce all these women's um, like background. And like how they how they ended up there, and same thing with like we both reached for the the gun being with the marionettes and the puppets, like they all have like a structural gimmick that's really neat to kind of see, and it plays into the plot of the movie where it's like, you know, she's Renee Zellweger is you know being played as like a puppet, and like mm-hmm. that's what um, Richard Gere wants, and like that kind of structure and like how the the um, chorus is like all puppets and all the photographers and journalists are all puppets. Like, it's really neat. Like, I, li- I like that about it where there's more, there's like layers to these musical numbers than just like the characters conveying their feelings in, you know, um, an imagined performance. There's a little bit more to dig into them. Same thing with like Mr. Cellophane and John C. Riley's character kind of being a clown and putting on the makeup and stuff. And yeah, it's really, it's really neat to kind of see how like the, the, the layers of depth to that, these performances and like what they're trying to tell you uh, as an audience and like what you're trying to kind of like receive and like interpret from uh, each one of them. Yeah, I do want to give the makeup and wardrobe departments major props for that puppetry scene there. You know, mm-hmm. you have the marionette and Richard Gere's up top, you know, pulling all the strings and just yeah. the way they made their faces look like actual 
wooden puppets, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of like those old ventriloquist dolls when you Mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. some of them. And it's just so great to see how well something like that can come together in a musical. Yeah. And it's like, it's catchy, catchy ditty, you know? Yeah. It's catchy, catchy track. (laughs) I think when this, I actually, I scooped this, this uh, soundtrack up on vinyl. It was like released. I don't know who pressed it. It's a really terrible pressing of it (laughs) because like the artwork is super like pixelated because they, they didn't have the high res artwork. I'm assuming like they took a thumbnail and blew it up. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's all like blurry. Like the inserts are not very well done. It's in like the vinyl itself. Like it's not really good quality. Like again, like it's, it, I know I shouldn't really expect that much quality when something's not even recorded like through analog or anything like that. But like with this particular soundtrack, it's pretty poorly done. But I was just like, I just like having it. I like having like this this soundtrack on vinyl and having a physical version of it. Because mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, I was obsessed with this soundtrack. I loved it. Yeah, it's really well written to fit the story, even with its plot holes. And I think the fact that I remembered Cell Block Tango all of these years later, not even remembering mm-hmm. when I had seen this musical in the first place, is a testament to how catchy some of the songs can be. Yeah. When I was in college and I was doing, um, so I took a, a musical theater class in college and one of the assignments that you had to do is that you had to create your, um, your audition pieces. So usually it's like when you go into an audition for for a musical, you always come, you know, kind of like packed with a performance of like a song, maybe like multiple songs, depending on like what kind of vibe they're going for with the role. And Mr. Cellophane was my usual go to song for my auditions. I would perform that song and you'd get to do the little dance with it and everything. So I was obsessed with it. Like I had to like really learn that song back in college. And so like anytime I see it's like it. John C. Riley is like the best inspiration for that. Like he nails that role so damn well. And like it's it's just a catchy sad song. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I remember, you know, having an instant reaction when I saw the clown shoes and I was like, "Oh no, are they going to try and go funny with this because you know that's what <laughs> I know him for now." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Good." Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just like those memes where it's like the person putting on the clown makeup. And it's, you know, getting more ridiculous and they put on the the wig. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, Mike, I don't know how much more I have to say about this. So I will (laughs) let you get out any final thoughts that you have about this. And I just want to quickly say thank you for picking something that kind of took me out of my comfort zone a little here. Oh, of course. You know, that's I'm always uh, happy to introduce more of the world of musicals to people. Did you have, um, does this movie make you want to watch any more like musical or musical movies? Like, does it pique your interest at all in terms of the genre? I think, you know, I might go watch Hamilton now that mm-hmm. we can Hamilton's do that. Hamilton's a good one. Yeah, so, Hamilton's a good one. I like you Hamilton. know, I know that's more so just a recording of the actual play, though, isn't it? It is, yes. It's really well done. It's I, I watched that when it came out. The, the movie version. I didn't see it on, on stage because I didn't have millions of dollars to do it. But the movie version on Disney Plus is pretty, it's, it's really well done. Like just like kind of filming the stage show. 
Yeah, I think otherwise it might depend on the cast. But when you mentioned Rent, I think I actually may have seen that one too. I must have had a friend who really liked musicals or something because I know for a fact I did not watch any of these at my own house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your musical theater friend. You always got to have one. (laughs) Rent's really good. I like, like Rent the movie is not a bad movie. It's just like kind of cheesy. Okay. But all the songs are there. Like it's, it's such a, like that's just an overall good score and soundtrack so it's like that's really what you're kind of watching it for for rent there's actually a i believe it's on blu-ray or something i don't really know exactly if you can stream it anywhere probably like on amazon or something um they did film the stage version of rent uh for like an anniversary of it okay and um that is a really well done recording of it where it kind of takes away like the cheesiness of the movie because rent is like a musical that's all sung like all the dialogue is sung, everything's like sung in that, and the movie yeah. kind of changes all that. But like that stage recording that they did, like, and they did it back in like 2010 or something. That one I would totally recommend watching. That like it's it's just like Rent live or like Rent on um, like Broadway recording or something like Got that. It. And um, like that one's a really like if there if if there was like a good next step for you to watch another musical, like that stage version of Rent's really good. Okay, let me put it this way: if you recommend me some musicals. Good chance. Mm -hmm. I will try and check them out when I have time. As you know, (laughs) being part of a podcast, you're always doing a ton of prep for everything. And with my Stephen King Mm -hmm. one, it's like, whoo, that's lots of hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't worry. Well, I would recommend the Stephen King musical. (laughs) There's not not really a Stephen King musical, but that'd be pretty sick. (laughs) I can see an adaptation, a spooky, a spooky Stephen King musical. Like he has so many movies and so many books. Well, here's the thing. There technically kind of is one because one of the Riverdale musical episodes was Carrie the musical. Oh, I think Carrie is actually like a Broadway musical. I think it was. So I think, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to track that down and see how I feel about it. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to look up Stephen King musical. There's a Stephen King and John Mellencamp musical. That sounds weird. (laughs) Well, that. The Ghost Brothers of Darkland County. That is a Stephen King, John Mellencamp musical. <laughs> we might need some time to wrap our head around that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing that exists. Huh. Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, don't watch that. Watch Rent. And um, that's always a good, that's always a great, easy. Oh, Wicked's a good one, too. You should watch Wicked. Oh, yeah. Wicked. Yeah, Wicked, Wicked, everyone loves Wicked. That's a great musical. I feel like that's an obvious one I should have thought of before now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like that one's kind of tough because like there really is no good recording of it. Like they never did a movie. They don't have like an official like recorded version of Wicked. Like you have to go see it to really kind of like get that full experience or else just listen to the soundtrack. So that's kind of the bummer about Wicked. Like they should really one of these days do like a recording of it yeah i imagine with the way things are going right now who knows when broadway will happen again so maybe they're going to get a little creative and start releasing those kinds of things like they did with hamilton that's very true yeah especially seeing the the success of hamilton's Mm -hmm. uh being posted on disney plus i can totally see and like they do they did start doing a lot of those um i think fox was doing them where they were doing those live musicals yeah they did rent i think they did hairspray and those are those are all right. <laughs> those are a solid all right. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on to talk about Chicago today. You're more than welcome to come back on. Maybe I'll get a little closer with your last name next time. Oh yeah, I think I think you did I think you did pretty well. I'm proud of you. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. If you feel inclined, please do give us a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. It really does help the show. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.